Thank you for listening to the Public Circle podcast. My name is Adam Olson. I'm the member of the British Columbia Legislative Assembly for Saanich North and the Islands. If this is your first time listening to my podcast, welcome. If you've listened to previous episodes, then welcome back. Since my election in 2017, I've had the wonderful opportunity to meet people from all walks of life. In fact, it's one of my favorite parts of, about my job in politics. So I decided to put some of the skills I learned in the Applied Communication program way back in the early 2000s to good use. I enjoy producing this podcast, and I hope that you will help me grow the audience. Please share this with a couple of people that you might think will appreciate these conversations. When you see my podcast on social media, please like it, comment on it, and share it. Finally, I'd be greatly appreciated if you gave this podcast a rating on whatever platform you listen on, and subscribe to get every episode of the Public Circle podcast delivered to you when I publish. In the 18th episode of the Public Circle podcast, I chat with David Smith. David is a fisherman and owner of Professional Components Limited. It's located in the Sydney North Saanich Industrial Park. His company makes Scoremaster soccer goals and Shockwave, shock mitigating seats. He's been building things on the Saanich Peninsula since 1981. I toured Dave's business as part of my ongoing tour of local businesses, and we had a great conversation. When I invited him to join me on the podcast, I had it in mind that I would ask him about what it was like to do business on the Saanich Peninsula and British Columbia, or maybe even the Trans Am race cars that sat in a spotless garage next to a table with a high-powered go-kart sitting on it. Dave is a fascinating person who builds and races cars, operates a business with 60-plus employees, and is a passionate fisherman. My hour-long tour of his business wrapped up more than two hours later. When Dave showed up to my office to record a conversation, it turns out that it's my work on the Pacific salmon that caught his attention. Over the past 60 years, living and fishing on the coast, he's seen a lot, and this podcast gave him a welcoming platform to share his experience. This story he tells is consistent with so many other stories I've heard over the past 18 months, since I've really been leaning into the salmon file and the ongoing history of the British Columbia coastline. Each time, the levels of frustration, disappointment, and outright anger peak. Coastal communities and the surrounding ecosystems have been mismanaged. This discussion has some heat. Dave shares his experience on the commercial fishing boats and the salmon in herring heydays, to the sites he's seen of clear-cut logging, poor habitat, resource, and harvest management by the federal and provincial governments. In British Columbia, our story of salmon is fiery. And I hope you've enjoyed this fiery conversation with Dave Smith. Uh, David Smith uh, left school at an early age, moved to Sydney, where I currently reside, and I operate a company in Sydney called Professional Components, and we're builders of shockwave shock mitigation seating, and I have 65 really great employees, which I'm very lucky to have. And I race cars and go fishing a lot in my spare time. And you have spare time? I have no spare time. Yeah, that's right. that was good. Um, so you, you make time in order to do those things that you could, love to do. Good catch. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoy it, and I, I, I enjoy um, opportunities like this to get out and talk about my passions. Right. And, you know, I guess... Um, to, not to not to lead this discussion because you're the leader, but uh, mostly I guess what's happening with our fisheries. You want to start with fisheries? Let's start with fisheries. Yeah, let's. Where let's, do you fish? Well, I fish mostly in uh, Tassus and Nooka Sound area. Yeah, I have, a, I have a home up in the uh, in Tassus, 
and I've been going out there for the last 10 years. But I've fished all over the coast. I've fished off of Sydney. I've fished off Victoria. I commercial fished for about two years. I was on a, on a commercial dragger out on the West Coast. Right. And I fished with my parents, and I can remember boating ever since as much as I can remember as kids, we were out on boats and Hall's Boathouse and all the places like that. You know, when I mentioned it for the first time in the legislature that I wanted to, to begin to deal with the, the really tragic and urgent situation that we have with our fisheries, people lit up and they lit up, didn't, didn't matter where they were on the political spectrum or what they felt about this issue or that issue. There is a very consistent feeling in our province about wild salmon in particular and kind of the 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 story that that species tells about who we are as people in this province. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And the thing is, what's happening now with the salmon fishery is it's affecting all of us. It's affecting our livelihoods. It's affecting what's going on with whales. It's affecting uh, what decisions are being made um, in the legislature and other places as far as rules and what rules are being followed. And it's a very, very interesting story that as i say it involves all of us so uh, it it's one of the main reasons that brought me in here today was to bring that up and to just um throw the ball back and forth with you and 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 uh express my viewpoint have an opportunity to express my viewpoint from what i've seen in um the you know i i've been on the coast fishing and on the water for 65 years that's got to account for something and uh, I've seen a lot happen in that period of time, and which is somewhat inconsistent with what what I see and, and and what the rulings are. So I'm a little bit confused, like everybody else, and I'm a little bit concerned, like everybody else. I uh, I think that, um, as you know, we've got massive closures on the west coast, and the salmon stocks are endangered, and uh, we all know that the salmon stocks. Um, are are in danger for reasons that have, have been cited, which, which I'm, I'm going to get into, which I, I don't necessarily agree with all of them. Uh, but it's also now starting to leak down the food chain and affect the orca population. And it's also affecting our, our economy. And, um, you know, if I can cut right to the chase, it, it, it's, it's all a, a tragedy that I've seen unfold since I started fishing way back when I was younger. Mismanagement? I, I would say so. I mean, uh, catching all of the food fish, catching all of the herring, and then uh, stripping the roe out of the herring, and then dumping the rest of the fish. I don't think that was a really great idea. And I was part of the herring fishery back in the heyday, and it was like the gold rush. I mean, when, when you went into, into any of those inlets, it was it, the place was lit up night and day, and there was people walking around with diamonds and gold bars and guns and knives, and and it, it was the, you know, it was the Roaring Twenties and the Gold Rush and, and everything all combined, and a bit of Vegas and thrown in there for for good measure, and I, it didn't at that time I was young it just didn't seem like a really great idea, and it's still not a really great idea, and I don't think we've ever seen the food fishery back to where it was and on those levels. And I don't care what the scientists say. I go out there and I see it happen and I don't see the big spawns of herring that we had on the coast 
in the kelp beds and along the shorelines. It just, it's not happening. That's a fundamental food for not only the orcas, but it's also a fundamental food for the, for the salmon. Anybody that's ever gone to an orca show, you know the fish that they dangle in front of the orcas to make them jump out of the water? That's a herring. I'm 43 now, so that's been gone for the vast majority of my life. I remember fishing with my dad in Saanich Inlet, and there would, you know, we'd be talking about, he would be talking about the herring. They would be, they were there. Sometime in the last 40-so years, probably 30-so years, the herring uh, stopped coming into the Saanich Inlet, which means they were caught somewhere else and, and their their life cycle was disrupted somewhere else. So we don't get them coming back in here anymore. Um, it's, you know, there's there's marine aspects of this and then there's also the, the on-land aspects of it, logging practices, watershed management, creek and stream management. Um, you know, if, if, if the herring have nowhere to come home to, if the salmon have nowhere to come home to, you disrupt that life cycle, it's... It's a pretty quick uh, decline. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> well, we we've we've talked about the herring, and you you brought up an interesting point, and that's the um, that's the logging and, and land use practices. And um, it, as you know, I've invited you to come up and 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 see Tassas firsthand, and I guarantee I can show you places where there has been past mega damage to spawning beds and to and to uh, the the, the the stream systems it's still going on it, there there's really you know it's 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 same stuff a different day there there's uh when 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 we don't when we've got jippo loggers when we've got nobody that's accountable when we've got poor policing um you know when i go out fishing and i got fisheries officers uh, wondering where I caught a coho salmon to give me a ticket, and yet we've got a logging company that's creating billions of dollars worth of damage, and they know darn well what they're doing. And and we have to get some sort of policing going to fundamentally change the way we view watersheds, the way we're 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 talking about old growth trees. I just see it in the, in, in this morning that the government right now. Is is figuring that we can't take the economic hit to not log old growth forests. That's absolute insanity. It's just so counterproductive. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's so counterproductive of what we want to do, and it's not rocket science. I don't need to be a marine biologist to know that there's the spit. The the fish habitat has been destroyed. The flow of the creeks has been destroyed. The spawning beds have been destroyed. Uh, I can. I'd love to show you places up up north where stumps have washed down the creek and they've uh, washed down into the um, uh, um, tributaries uh, along the coastline. And I mean, that shouldn't be happening. That should have never happened. And I think that that we must look at what we what we need to do uh, with the economy. But I think it's got to be looked at in a more global sense. Is is you can't rob Peter to pay Paul and say, well, we you know we need the job, so um, we're going to cut down the old growth forests. And yet you've got this other uh, pull in the other direction with fisheries because we've got no salmon and they're cutting rivers down. To me, it, like the whole thing just doesn't make sense. If I were king, I would stop all of the old growth. I would police the rivers 
more. And, and the, you know, the other subject matter that we get into is the enforcement and policing. And um, we do, with Shockwave, we do a lot of work uh, supplying shock mitigation seating to to the RCMP and to fisheries. And, and you know, the, the guys are great guys. They're totally overworked. Um, why, why don't, why aren't we spending more, why aren't we throwing more budgets that way? I don't understand it. I, you know, it's, this is, this has gotten to a state right now where we are at a crisis. When you talk about global warming, you talk about anything to do with the earth, you want to talk about anything, it's time to stop pointing fingers. It's time to stop messing around with the rules. It's, it's a time to st- stop the, stop the scientists and stop the engineers, start listening to the people like myself that have been in the field for 65 years that know there is no stocks left. There is a problem here. And I've been to the creek and there's a problem. I've been to River Mouse back in the days when the saner used to work, saners used to work, and the saners used to, um, used to clean out whole runs. You just, they wipe them right out because they can. They've got electronic targeting. They've got very efficient nets and they're a very efficient killing machine, and they do a very, very good job of that. And we're, we're now suffering the consequences, and I've watched this whole thing unfold my whole lifetime. The situation where the, the successive provincial governments have, are at for 40, 50 years in this province, it doesn't matter what color, what stripe, where they come from, what we've, the situation that we've got is we've got a government that says, we have a forest industry. We are going to protect that forest industry until it's gone. And we are not going to develop any other product lines in the meantime. We'll deal with that later. That, there, there, is a, there is a level of insanity there that, it, well, it's just completely irresponsible. And then we're going to defend it by saying we need to protect the forestry jobs. Well, there is no forestry job. We had 10% of old growth on this, on the, in Vancouver Island left. So... That's the margin for error that we're working in right now. You know, it's all cause and effect, and you can't go and 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 it, it's not going to go on forever. It, and I think we've we should have we should have learned a lot along the way, and we should be doing more, and we should be investing more in not just placating the jobs for this immediate future, but looking down the road to the next hundred years in British Columbia and looking ahead and not making the same mistakes. And yet we're, we're, we're still doing it. We're still cutting old growth timber. Um, this latest move by fisheries, uh, you know, I, I love sitting here and going on record. And even if one person hears this, this podcast, at least I've, I've said my mind, but it was just a total ridiculous decision of fisheries to go and shut down the fisheries the way they did because they, they, cut, they cut into the economy and they cut into the pocketbooks of the people, number one, that really care about fishing. These are people that put on bake sales, and these are people that put on raffles, and these are people that volunteer, and these are people that go out in the winter and keep streams. And these are the people that are that are volunteering to repair damage. Their companies got paid and paid for rights to take out timber, and they left a mess behind them, and they left didn't leave a paper trail behind them, so you and I can't go and go to court and get them to be any, any, no responsibility whatsoever. They're gone. And that's what's happening with the logging industry even today. Big companies are buying up the tenures, selling it off to little people. Little people are taking the trees off, not cleaning up their mess, and then vanishing into the woodwork. And, then, and the government really has no recourse. 
you know what? Maybe I'm talking through the top of my head. These are just the things that I see. And so somebody out there that's listening, they're going like, oh, no, that's not the way it is. There's been a scientific study or whatever. BS. I don't care. I've seen it happen time and time again. And, and, you know, and now we've got this situation where we don't have any fish. The commercial fishing industry has collapsed, which too bad for you because you're the people that you're the people that sat by and watched all of this thing happen. The commercial people should have gone after the logging people. And there should have been more, whatever, it's too late. It's, it's really too late to argue about it. We have to, we have to look at this situation and we have to deal with what we have now and we've got to deal with it right now. And we've got to deal with it with, with I, I think, with the teeth of the government behind it. And I think that the teeth of enforcement behind it to make it happen because it's got to happen. And what happened instead is they penalized the little guy. They, they penalized where most of the money per fish comes from. And that's what really sticks in my craw is like, Go after where the least amount of dollars and where the most amount of waste is coming in the fishing industry. Go after that first, and then, but leave the guys alone that are bringing more bang for the buck. Leave the guides alone. Leave the little communities like Banfield alone. Uh, leave leave Tassis alone. Leave Tofino alone. Leave Port Alberni alone as much as you can. Let them generate income from that because the mills have shut down there. The fishing industry shut down there. We all know that. And instead, they're, they're, we're, we're diverting resources to log old growth to generate income when you're shutting off the income to the communities that you could have had by, by catching salmon, which have been decimated from logging the old growth. I don't know if I, I said that succinctly enough to make sense. And I don't think I can because it just doesn't make any sense. I remember I went out on a guide boat with my dad when I was a kid. We went, uh, we were in Port Alberni. So we, so out we went uh, one morning and we didn't catch anything. But we had the greatest day. We saw eagles. We saw, you know, we saw lots of other wildlife. And we paid for the experience to go out fishing, and it was just a, it was a bad day. And we were used to having bad days, so it wasn't a big deal for us. We weren't used to having many bad days, but, <laughs> but we, we understood what a bad day was when we were on a boat. So, um, so, so to close that aspect of the fishery down, which conservation has to be a part of this, uh, has to be a part of this story, to do that and then to allow some of the most destructive fishing practices to continue the ones that you were talking about where, where you've got a ton of bycatch and you, to allow those ones to continue um, has really ruffled the feathers of a lot of people that, the, uh, that have contacted my office. People are very frustrated about that, that it's not a consistent uh, thing. And then you've got a government that's not willing to also take the, make the sacrifices that they need to make so that, the, so that it's not just political rhetoric, but it's actually real action on an issue that people are concerned about. And, and that's what the big problem is that I, from what I can see, is that people are looking at this and going, you know, what's good for the goose is not good for the gander in this. Like, you, you want it, you'll, you'll penalize us for doing it, but yet then you'll continue to make the same poor decisions that you made in order to get us into the situation that we're in. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you and I discussed that before, and it's, it's, uh, you know the, the the problem with <laughs> the the problem with the, with the whole system is that it's 
uh, short term short term gain, and it's always you know somebody's some of these parties are in in power for four years or whatever the tenure is, and so they're trying to make themselves look good in the four years, um, and that's you know that's just that's a that's a that's a whole new kettle of fish. I, you know we could we could discuss on tune in next week. Uh, to, <laughs> hey, you're getting used to this. Yeah, I'm, 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 I I could be I could be co-chair. We could get some lines going in here because I'd love to hear other people's take on this because I bet you that I'm right. I think that I think that you would not find a person that has lived on the coast, has been out there, has seen the plight of the orcas, has been around. I mean, I can remember when we go and watch them jump on the cages there in in uh, down at Oak Bay, and I mean, we used to like drink beer and drive and carry shampoo on planes and smoke cigarettes. We used to do all sorts of things, and that was fine back then. But you can't do it now. And, and we just have to get used to that, that this is the new world order. This is the problem that we've got, we've been faced with. And I think that, the, that, that any of you that are listening, anything that you can do to um, rally the troops and convince the government that what, they've, what the direction they're going in is just totally wrong. I've seen them. I've seen fisheries make constant blunder after blunder. The the prawn fishery in Nootka Sound is another example of a joke, where the, all of us in the public that have been living up there and know what's going on are saying, "Stop the prawn fishery commercial because it's destroying the stocks." Uh, oh well, no. According to our data, well, data schmeda, we're out there every day. You you go up there for a data set, and then you're supposed to argue. And it's 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 almost the same as what's happening with the logging, you know. And we're you know we're getting we're getting focused on uh, the probably the logging and the fishing. We're getting focused in other areas, um, which I don't want to get into because we'll end up talking all day here, and I better get back to work. Um, but you know, let let's let's really get going on this because this is important, you know. There, there's going to be no relevance to Trans Mountain Pipeline or oil flow or, or anything if we don't look after the fundamental core values of what drives this province and salmon fishing transition from bulk salmon and big canneries and the big heyday of fishing to the fact where they caught all the salmon and then what they did is they got more money per fish by turning it over to guides and now they've gone and shut off that pipeline. And it's just not fair. It's not right, it's not fair, it's not fair to the families, it's not fair to the fishermen, it's not fair to the uh, people of this province and not fair to the, the people of Canada to go and do this. It was a, it was a, a knee-jerk, last-minute reaction that didn't have to happen. And they, the government, I challenge that fisheries could go elsewhere and the government could go elsewhere and they could generate that income back and they can make salmon return by not penalizing the people that they're penalizing. Because the people that they're penalizing are the people that put on the big sales, the derbies, they're the stream keepers, they're the people that, that, that I've been out there, I've done it, I've, I've, I've gone and I've stripped salmon and we're up to our neck in salmon and cold streams and all these people volunteer, they, they, they have no money and they're like out there catching fish and you got multi-million dollar companies that aren't being held responsible that are cutting down old growth. It's just not making sense. It's insanity. Well, you said I bet you I'm I'm not I bet you I'm correct on this. I I bet you you are too. I mean I've part of the one of the joys of my job is that I get to meet 
dozens and dozens and dozens of people with with the stories that have seen it just like you. Do they all and foam at the mouth like I'm foaming right now? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, a lot of foam. I deal with a lot of foam. I mean, there's a lot of very passionate people around this. And like I said, when I mentioned the word salmon, people just like responded. When I mentioned the words big trees or, or old growth trees, we have had 22,000 emails since I got elected on old growth. We've had thousands of emails on salmon. The reality of this is, is that these are foundational industries in our province, and they are a part of our culture. They are a part of who we are. And I think that you, you mentioned something which I don't want to let get too far away. My, my first response to the decision uh, to close down those, those uh, fisheries this summer was exactly what you were... It was, it was an issue of fairness. The timing of it was, was absolutely... It, it was just... It's awful. You've got... Uh, guide fishermen and sport fishermen that have been, you know, booking trips for, you know, for people that are coming from around the world to come out here and to drop that note on, it was April or something, I think, right? Just recently, anyway, a few weeks to say to them, now, you know what, you're not even out there. And, and, you know, like, whether you agree with it or not, there's certain areas you can't even go in your boat. Okay, fine, whatever. But the reality is, these are these are businesses, small business owners, for the most part, that have booked people to come in to live this experience. We're going we're gonna to show them the coast. And then the government, because we're, and I'm just going to get political here, we're in an election year, so we need to save the whales, which we do. <laughs> you know, right. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to sound sarcastic. We do need to save the whales. But we should have been in that process for the last five or six years. It's not like this is it's not like this has just suddenly dawned on you that you've just seen this for the first time in the last couple of years. This is a process, you know, the foam has been building for a number of years now. And if we had a government, both federally and provincially, on both the fishery side federally and the and the and the forestry side provincially, uh, provincially on the forestry side, if we had governments that were properly managing these resources. We wouldn't need to be dropping it at 11.59 p.m. right before the opening of another fish season. Oh, hey, by the way, you're out. And you know what? Those guys over there with the big boats, they're still good. They're good to go. So I think um, I, I didn't want to let that go by because while I am a supporter of conservation, I think in some cases we're going to have to make the decisions not to fish in certain areas at certain times. The other aspect of this is as someone who's in government, we have a responsibility to those people to be developing plans that don't destroy them. And that's, a, that's in essence what we've done with, I think, 30% of the, um, of the sports fishing industry uh, on the South Coast here, is I think that we've probably effectively shut them down and said, you know what, they're going to miss a full season. That might be the difference between them making the payments on their boat and them not making the payments on their boat anymore. And that's, that's really not fair. It's really not acceptable uh, way of doing it. And I also wanted to mention, when we drove out to Banfield, we took the logging roads out. You can see the old cut blocks, and then you can see the fresh cut blocks. And as you're going along the, the roads, um, there's these little bridges over all the creeks that, you know, as they're building the roads, they go put a bridge over top of the creek. Some creeks are running. Some creeks are, creek beds are dry. At every one of those dry creek beds, all you have to do is look up. And if you look up the valley wall, what you notice is where the creek beds are dry is exactly the same places that they've just devastated the forest. And so, you know, 
the the connection for me as as I'm as I'm kind of sitting there in the passenger seat, Emily was driving, and I'm just I'm foaming and just like <laughs> I'm so frustrated. And I go we go over another creek bed, and my son is 11 years old. He's like, "That's dry," and I'm like, "Yeah, it's dry." And down the down the creek, that's the home. They're spawning, you know. So we wonder where the fish are. That's exactly where they are. They're, they just the same as where the trees are. Bingo. And and that's that's just being that's being replicated everywhere on the coast. And and that's I think that well, I it's an opinion, uh, obviously, but it's not. That's where the problem is. You know, that's that. You you have to maintain that groundwater and you have to maintain that flow and you can't tell me that that can't be done with with uh, forest management at, at what cost yeah it's going to be some short term pain for some long term gain and I think that that's what we need to do with this province is we and with this culture is we just need to really knuckle under and and get rid of the get rid of the big picture stuff first go to the go to the top of the food chain and and get that working right from the top to the bottom not as you put put out we're kind of we're kind of beat this one to death but we can't beat the heck out of the little guy for that one i i just don't i don't think it's on the sports fisherman i mean as a sports fisherman we catch so little in biomass the the average person has no concept whatsoever how much a saner would catch in one set. It would be all of the sports. One set with a good saner would be all of the fish that all of the sports fishermen in Nootka Sound catch in the whole year. Would be one set in a saner. I, I, you know what? I'm not sure of that. I'm just throwing that out there. But I know I'm pretty close with that because I know I know big sane sets back in the day with salmon that they got some huge, huge, huge. Sane sets, and I know I see how much comes in on a daily basis from a very active marina, and it nowhere near it. You know, it it doesn't it doesn't equate. It it just doesn't equate. You're wondering where the salmon went from the ocean side. The salmon on the ocean side went from two places. They went from commercial fishing over commercial fishing. Now they're coming from disease in 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 uh, fish farms. Boy, there's a hot topic. And they came from the forest industry not being managed properly, and for the for the for for the for the government to step in and start managing the place where the the last bastion of hope for the province of getting money on like people that want to come and look at big trees and go hiking and pay money to do that and then come and go fishing and to penalize those people, it's going to take at least I would say. Five or ten years for a lot of those people to ever want to come back. Where tourism just took a giant, giant step backwards, as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to leave it there. I'm, we're, you know what? We're going to leave Shockwave. Yeah, it's a cool company. Yeah, I, I don't want to say that. People I got to get out of here. I got to work anyway. Okay, we're going to leave the race cars for now. We'll talk about that. Please, people, sometime. People want to find out why the race cars and why we do it, and well, aren't we burning fuel? And yes, we are. are. But there's a there's a kind of a carbon offset and a feel good side of it that I'd like to talk about when we can. Um, but yeah, I I no I'm, okay yeah I I recognize that you're burning carbon, but I just but look there there's something I've 
there's something about race cars that I want to talk about oh, with okay. you later. Yeah. Um, and, and I'll deal with the challenge that people will throw at me that I'm inconsistent in it. But anyway, I'll deal with that. You don't have to. So we'll talk about race cars another time. Um, we, I hope that you'll, I hope that if we invite you, that you'll come back and we can chat about this. I, I have totally enjoyed this afternoon. So, so thank you for coming. And, and I think one of the things that I'll just leave it on is this. It's important, like I can stand up in the legislature and I've been saying these things for the last 18 months. And um, I'd light my hair on fire, but I don't, I don't have you any. Don't, you did that already. It's it gone. Like, yeah. You can only do it once. You got to put the, see where you have the lights down in here to stop the glare off of the head. It's exactly, yeah. it's got like this, <laughs> this really gross hum that comes from these lights, uh, the fluorescent lights, which is probably matching the guy who was in the building here somewhere with his, um, with his drill. As, yeah. I don't know if you heard that or not, yeah. but maybe the people did. But um, I, I just want to end it with this, that I appreciate you coming in and sharing your experience with me because what it does is it allows me to stand up and speak with a little bit more authority in my voice and a little bit more behind me. And when I say that what you're saying is consistent with dozens, if not hundreds, of other people that I've talked to in forestry and and in fisheries, um, what you're saying is entirely consistent with what they've been telling me. And every time I hear one of these stories, and every time I hear that, it gives me the opportunity to say, I feel like I know that I'm coming from a place of 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 the honest truth, and that I can speak a little bit louder and with a little bit more force. So I appreciate the opportunity no, to I, capture I, that. I, thrilled of uh, being able to come here and talk and it's just great practice for me because this is the longest I've talked without swearing I think in my entire life well you did good. A new, you, ladies and gentlemen a new world record for David Smith one small step yeah one. For, for one man but a giant step for mankind a giant step for clean radio yes thanks thank you like I said that is a fiery discussion And that's the tone of everybody that I discuss salmon, forests, water, and resource management with in this province. The frustration with the steady deterioration of our coastal communities, economies, and ecosystems is boiling right at the surface. If you'd like to connect with Dave Smith, visit his website, shockwaveseats.com slash meet dash David dash Smith. You can find out more about his company, Professional Components Limited, at professionalcomponents.com. All the links I just mentioned are in the notes attached to this episode in the blog post or the show description. It was wonderful to reconnect with Dave, and I wish him all the best and success. I publish a new Public Circle podcast every Sunday morning. I have at least one more episode already recorded, which time I think at 19 episodes, it's a weird time to stop and start a new season, but I think I might take a little break record a few episodes, and then uh, get back at it in uh, late August or early September. I'm not sure. I haven't quite made that decision yet, but um, it's a consideration. This podcast is about the conversations. If you enjoy them, I hope you will let people know about it. So far, the Public Circle podcast has been promoted essentially by word of mouth and just a few social media posts. I think it's time to extend that reach. On that, I need your help. If you are enjoying these conversations, then please share them with a couple of people. If you see the social media post, please engage with it. Like, comment, and share. Please rate this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. It will really help increase the visibility and grow the audience.
Finally, I am the member of the British Columbia Legislative Assembly for Saanich North and the Islands. My constituency office is located in Sydney at number 215-2506 Beacon Avenue. We are one block west of the Salish Sea on the second floor of the Landmark Building. I have an incredible constituency team who assist me in advocating for our riding. You can visit us in the office from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Monday to Friday. Email is a great way to initially connect with me and my team. It allows us to keep track of all the correspondence that we have flowing into our office and follow up with your email as necessary. My email address is adam.olson.mla at leg.bc.ca. Our office phone number is 250-655-5600. I'm on all the social media platforms. Find my Facebook page at facebook.com slash Olson4MLA, Twitter at Adam P. Olson, and Instagram at Adam Philip Olson. Philip is spelt with two L's. And it would have been great if I had actually planned and coordinated this and had the same uh, username for all of my social media accounts. But that's not the way it happened. It's important to note that if there's an issue that you would like me and my team to work on for you, please contact my office directly. Social media posts are difficult for me and my team to keep track of. Your advocacy is an essential ingredient to my advocacy, and so it's very important that you connect with us in an official capacity. Thankfully, I'm not spending a whole lot of time on social media engaging Uh, in the various posts these days. I'm using the platforms to distribute my content, but found the endless conversations on literally limitless topics draining my capacity in other crucial areas of my job. I do blog, though. I blog daily. I've been blogging ever since Christmas of 2018, every day. You can check out my daily blog at adamolsonmla.ca. I cover a range of topics from politics to life to life and politics and whatever other shiny object catches my attention. If you enjoy my posts, you can subscribe to be notified of every future post by email. Oh, that's it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for engaging. And until next time, hi, Aqua.